And we are back. Welcome back to another episode of the Depressed Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse. And if you guys are, this is Thanksgiving break, it's Thanksgiving week. So happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. And I appreciate all of you guys listening to this podcast. I'm very thankful for you guys for all the support this year. It's been it's been one fun year just just doing podcast episodes every week and giving you guys my insights and everything. So I want to thank all you guys. I want to thank Tommy for being on this podcast throughout the Bengals season. Unfortunately, I'm a little bit under the weather this week, but we're slowly, slowly getting better. And some of you guys are wondering, oh my gosh, Jesse, are you going to do a recap of the Bengals-Ravens game from last Thursday. Yes, I'm going to do a small, small box score recap of the game because we're moving on. We have the Steelers coming up on Sunday. And yeah, we're going to talk about that game. And also we're going to talk about what's next for the Bengals. Life without number nine in Joe Burrow. So Joe's out for the year, as you know, with the twin ligaments in his right wrist. In comes backup quarterback Jake Browning. I'll give you my thoughts on him and what to expect of him for the remainder of the season. Listen, the season's not over yet. I don't know why some of you guys that are the new Bengals fans out there, or even some of the Bengals fans are the OG fans. Why are you guys already assuming the season's over? We have seven games left of the regular season. The Bengals are 5-5. Five and five. Yes, Things don't look the best because we don't have our best player out there. But it doesn't mean that this Bengals team is not talented. They still got players on this roster that can still make plays and can still make winning plays. So I'm gonna need you I'm gonna need you guys to calm down. Okay? Calm down and just continue to support this team. If you're going to game on Sunday, be loud, root hard, man, because they're going to need your support. And I think everyone's counting everybody's counting them out. And I understand that, but if you're really really are a true this is where we're going to know who are the truest Bengals fans and who are those Bengals fans that have only been here since number 9 has been a Cincinnati Bengal. We're going to find out these next 7 games. I'm still going to watch the games. Me and Tommy are still going to do the podcast together after each game for our weekly recap of the game. I'm still going to do my instant reaction podcast because I'm still a Bengals fan. And yes, right now it's, can you say it's depressing? Like it was depressing last Thursday night, but I got over it. And now Joe's out. We need to, we need to rally behind Jake Browning. That's all I got to say. Okay. If you're a real Bengals fan, you're going to watch the game. You're going to cheer for them, and you're going to cheer for them to win the game, okay? I'll get to that later on on this podcast. But this is going to be a small, small, small Bosker recap of the of the loss against the Baltimore Ravens last Thursday night, 34-20, to 20, blah, 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 blah. These are just the scoring drives for both teams. So the Ravens got the ball to begin the game. They went nine plays, 75 yards, took four minutes and 58 seconds off the clock. It ended with a Gus Edward touchdown run, 7-0 Baltimore. Bengals get the ball, seven plays, 44 yards, took two minutes and 30 seconds off the clock. It ended on a McPherson field goal, 7-3 Ravens. And then it went punt, 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 missed field goal by McPherson, punt. And then the Bengals 
finally get a touchdown, 12 plays, 82 yards, 7 minutes and 22 seconds off the clock. Joe Burrow found Joe Mixon for a 3-yard touchdown reception on that play. Joe torn his ligaments in his right wrist, unfortunately. He still made a perfect pass to Joe Mixon. So Joe Burrow is such a dog, playing through pain and still made a perfect pass. 10-7 Bengals. And then the Ravens score on their next drive, seven plays, 75 yards, took three minutes and 29 seconds off the clock. Lamar Jackson found Nelson Aguilar for a 37-yard touchdown reception, probably the luckiest touchdown reception of Nelson Aguilar's career. 14-10 Ravens, and then seven plays, 80 yards, a minute and seven seconds off the clock. And Lamar Jackson found Rashad Bateman in the end zone, 21-10 Ravens at the half. Second half, Jake Browning comes in and led a really, really, really good drive. 10 plays, 67 yards, 5 minutes and 4 seconds off the clock. It ended on a McPherson field goal. I wish the Bengals would have got 6. 21-13 Ravens. And then the Ravens added a field goal of themselves. 10 plays, 68 yards, 5 minutes and 54 seconds off the clock. 24-13 Baltimore, then the punt. And the Ravens get another field goal, five plays, 27 yards, a minute, 45 seconds off the clock. 27-13 Ravens. And then late, late in the game, Jake Browning threw a really, really nice touchdown pass to Jamar Chase in the end zone. And that was the Bengals' second touchdown in the game. Then the Ravens add a touchdown, and that is your final score. Ravens 34, Bengals 20. Ravens go to 8-3 and three on the season and sweep the Cincinnati Bengals in the season series, and the Bengals fall to 5-5. Five and five. Final stats, Joe Burrow was 11 for 17 for 101 yards. One touchdown, he was sacked twice. Jake Browning comes in 8 for 14 for 68 yards and a touchdown pass to Jamar. He was sacked three times. He ran the ball pretty well. Four carries, 40 yards. Joe Mixon had a really good game. 16 carries, 69 yards. He averaged 4.3 average yards per rush. He also had five catches for 31 yards, including that touchdown reception from Joe Burrow. Tanner Hudson had four catches for 49 yards. Trent Irwin had three catches for 36 yards. And Jamar Chase had two catches for 12 yards. And that touchdown reception... The defense was not really good in this game, but if there is a bright spot in this game, Jordan Brattle is definitely going to be the Bengals starter. In the safety position, the rookie out of Alabama had 12 tackles. He was just making plays, and when the Bengals drafted Jordan Brattle in this year's draft, I thought it was a really underrated draft pick, and low-key, I thought it was the best Bengals draft pick of the whole draft, and... So far, I'm looking like a genius because he has really played well over the last couple of games. And Nick Scott had that stupid 12 men, 12 men on the field penalty. And that was pretty much it for his night in Baltimore. Luan Wimmer said, nah, let's put in Jordan Battle. And he played the majority of the game. And Lou and Zach did say during their weekly pressers that Jordan Battle will be the starter from here on out. And Lou did say that Nick Scott will still have a role in this team, but they did say that Jordan Battle is going to get majority of the snaps over Nick Scott. You love to hear that. Logan Wilson had nine tackles, 
And the reason why I put Logan Wilson's name on this list is because the Ravens had three injuries in this game. They lost Mark Andrews on their first offensive drive of the game to an ankle injury. He is out for the year, but there's a possibility that he could still be back for the postseason. And then Lamar Jackson hurt his ankle on the tackle by Logan Wilson. And then Odell Beckham Jr. hurt his shoulder on a tackle by Logan Wilson. And there is a perception out there that people are saying that Logan Wilson is a dirty player. All this stuff that he is Vontez Perfect. And I'm like, as much as I love Vontez Perfect, that man has some questionable hits. And at times, dirty hits. But that's not Logan Wilson. In his time in the NFL, he's been in the league since 2020. He has zero personal fouls. So to the slow, casual fans out there, mainly Ravens fans, that are saying that Logan Wilson's dirty, okay. You guys don't know football. And if you think that he was out there to hurt Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, and Odell Beckham Jr., then you guys are just absolutely delusional. I don't know what is wrong with you guys, but that's not who Logan Wilson is. He is one of the most underrated. I think he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. I just And also the media were painting a picture of him being dirty, a.k.a. Ian Rappaport, the guy that is like the NFL insider guy who put out a pretty much low tweet saying he's pretty much his demeanor in that tweet was saying that Logan Wilson's a dirty player and that he intentionally tried to hurt Andrews and Jackson and Beckham Jr. Way to go, Ian, because Logan Wilson, his family has been getting death threats and people have been talking nasty towards his wife and little kid. Like, here's the thing I don't get. And I'll talk about this for just for a quick second. I don't get why some people out there take sports so seriously. Listen, I love sports. I love being a Cincinnati sports fan. I love watching sports. But as I get older, I realize that I should not allow a sports outcome of a game affect my life. And yeah, losing Joe Burrow and... The play that happened before that touchdown pass to Joe Mixon, Javion Clowney, he's about, what, 280? Landing on his wrist. Am I talking shit about him? Am I trying to, am I going to say death threats to him, to his family? No, because it's just football. That shit happens, okay? It's just the, it's just the game of the nature of the game. But I'm not going to go that low. And the fact that there's people out there in this world that do go that low, shame on you. That's all I got to say. And we can love sports. We can be passionate about our teams. But at the end of the day, day, it's just a game. It really is just a game. It is not your life. You're not playing the football game. You're not. Period. So that's pretty much my take on that. But yeah, overall, the defense was not good. Trey Henderson and DJ Turner each had a sack. I want to talk about the refs in this game because, like I said, I'm not the guy to blame the refs. The NFL officiating this year, it's been up and down. But when your team is losing, I don't like 
to blame the referees because we deserve to lose. I mean, they deserve to lose. So I'm not I'm not gonna go that route. But there were there was one questionable call, really one questionable call on DJ Turner that pass interference before halftime when the Ravens were driving the football. If that didn't happen, the Ravens would have punted in that drive, and the Bengals and Jake Browning would have went into the locker room with a 10-7 lead. Would that have been a difference? I don't know, but that really did change the momentum swing of the game. With Joe being out and then having that call get called against you, it's like, man, when things are going bad for you, you don't get any breaks. So that was... That call, I was just like, okay, like, what are we doing here? Seriously, like, come on now. Okay, so let's just throw away the Ravens game. We're just going to put that in the trash, and we're going to move on to what's next for the Cincinnati Bengals for the remaining seven games of the regular season, okay? Joe's out. We know that. Enter in Jake Browning. If you guys don't know who Jake Browning is, he played his college days at the University of Washington. He was a four-year starter. He threw for over 12,000 passing yards and 94 touchdowns. He was Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2016, and he also was first-team All-Pac-12 that year. He went undrafted in the 2019 draft, and he did spend two seasons at Minnesota, and then they waive him on the final cuts in the 2021 season, and he's been with the Bengals since 2021. This preseason, he played in spurts. He played good, and that was good enough to win the number quarter, blah, the number two job in the quarterback depth chart over Trevor Simeon, and. I was watching Jake Browning's presser on Wednesday. Usually it's Joe Burrow, but now it's going to be Browning from here on out. And just watching him talk and watching his demeanor and his body language, he's a guy that is not afraid of the moment. He really isn't. And he is very confident in himself. He knows the system. And... The whole team believes in him. The coaching staff believes in him. And he honestly believes that he can get the job done. And that's what you want in a backup quarterback. And I think what is working in the Bengals' favor is that he is, he's been here for over two years. So he's been learning behind Joe Burrow. So I think that's going to help. And also Joe's going to be on the sidelines against the Steelers on Sunday. So he's going to be helping Jake Browning. He's going to be pretty much like the coach out there. That's an advantage as well because Joe Burrow is one of the, he's one of these smartest football players in the NFL. So he's going to be helping out Jake and helping out the team. You know what? Throughout this week, <clears throat> I have been very optimistic, and I don't know why. I just think because I've just seen, not everyone, but some people already giving up on the season, already thinking that the Bengals should just lose remaining seven games to get a higher draft pick, to get a tight end, to get a lineman, to get a pass rusher, whatever the biggest need on this team. 
I feel like everyone is just not thinking about this game on Sunday, but thinking about the 2024 NFL draft. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. And I think this, these next seven games, yes, we want Jake Browning to perform, but honestly, this is all on Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, and Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator. They got to do something. They got to have good play calls, and I'm not really confident as I say that, but it's on them. It really is on them to make Jake Browning be successful in this offensive system. And it starts by the Bengals need to run the ball. And I know Zach Taylor hates running the ball. Oh, my gosh. If Joe Mixon gets 10 carries in this game against the Steelers on Sunday in the first half, Zach Taylor's going to be like, oh, no, 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 no. Now we need Jake Browning to throw the ball 50 times in the second half. No. Dude, you can't do that. You cannot do that to Jake Browning. You need to lean on the running game. Yes, Jake Browning is going to need to make some throws. And he's very sneaky athletic. In the game against Baltimore coming in for Joe, he had four carries for 40 yards. So he can run. He can throw while also running at the same time, making that run-throw decision. I think the Bengals just need to come up with just solid game plans from here on out. Are they capable of that? I don't know. But what Jake Brown do have going for him is that he has Jamar Chase. And I think T. Higgins is trending upwards to playing on Sunday. And then you have Joe Mixon. And then you have the emergence of tight end Tanner Hudson. You have Drew Sample. You have Irv Smith Jr. If they if he wants to show up and also block well, so you still have those weapons on the and on this offensive roster. You still do, and I feel like the Bengals need to feed the beast, which is Jamar Chase. Yes, Jamar was very frustrated, just like all of us on Thursday Night Football when Joe went out. You can tell his body language was like nah. All right, this ain't it. Yeah, because we were all distraught on what happened to number nine. But <clears throat> Jamar did say that he likes Jay Browning and that he's confident and believes in his skill set. And I, I really hope the Bengals really, really use Jamar Chase's skill set and talent to just get him the damn ball. Just get him the ball. Like, he needs to be having at least... 15 targets every game from here on out. I know teams are going to be double te- double teaming him, etc., etc., but you need to find that man. 7-11, right? He's always open. Get him the ball. And now he's going to have a different quarterback throwing the ball to him. And the timing, the timing on that touchdown pass the, that Jake Browning threw to Jamar Chase late in the game against the Ravens, yo, that was... That was really a dime, an imprecise throw by Jake Browning. So that gave me a little hope and confidence in him that he can make those throws. He's Jake's gonna have he's gonna have moments in the games where it's gonna be like, oh, that's not a good throw. Oh, he's gonna that's a risky throw that could have been interception that could have been intercepted. That's gonna happen. Okay, he's a backup quarterback for a reason. 
But I, I just think the Bengals need to realize that Jake Browning has a good, good team around him. And I just hope that they support him with that team around them. And I just really just please, Zach and Brian, do not let this man fail. Okay, please. And I'm not saying, oh, Jake Brown is going to lead the Bengals to the Super Bowl, but this team can still make the playoffs. Okay, they can. And if you you guys are calling me crazy, then you're not a real Bengals fan. Okay, you're not. So it's going to come down to the game planning of Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. Do I believe in them? No, I really don't because they just drive me crazy with their just their ineptitude to not <laughs> to call to call good plays at times, especially with the talent roster that you have on this team. It really, really, really doesn't make any sense at all, and I don't get it. But I am excited to see what Jake Browning does on Sunday. And I hope you guys do rally behind him and we'll see what he got. For some reason, guys, I'm confident. I'm confident that he's going to do well and he's not going to be perfect. Okay, there's going to be moments during the stretch. We're going to be like, what in the world? But also we're going to have moments. We're going to be like, damn, that's a good throw. Whoa, Jake Browning. And it won't it won't I won't be surprised. I'll be like, okay, because he's confident. And also that he's capable. So we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, the season's not done yet, okay? Here is the AFC standings as we see it right now. The Ravens have the one seed. The Chiefs are the two. Jaguars are three. Dolphins are the four. The Browns are the five. The Texans are the sixth seed. The Steelers hold the last playoff spot. And then you got Buffalo to eight. The Colts, the 9, the Broncos, the 10, and then the Bengals are the 11th seed. The next three games to the Bengals are so important. It's going to determine if the Bengals are going to be in the AFC wildcard hunt at the end of the season, week 18 against Cleveland. So you got the Steelers coming up, and then you got at Jacksonville on Monday Night Football next week. And then you have the Colts coming into town. Three teams that are in playoff contention. The Steelers hold the last spot. Jaguars are leading their division, but only by a game. And then the Colts are ahead of you in the AFC standings. These are very important games for the Bengals. If the Bengals can somehow go 2-1, and one, meaning they can beat Pittsburgh, you lose to Jacksonville, you beat Indy, you're 2-1, and one, you're 7-1, and what, 7-6? That will be ideal. Hell, we want to win all three games, right? But I think 2-1 and one is very optimistic for this team. And, yeah, those three games, those are going to determine if the Bengals are going to be in the hunt. If they lose all three, then the season's over. But if they can get two out of three, they're still in it. Now the Steelers, those Pittsburgh Steelers, 1 o'clock on CBS on Sunday. This team is 6-4, and four, and I'm going to go through the Steelers' schedule so far this year and the results. So in week one, they're home up under against the Niners. They got destroyed 30-7. to seven. They were outgained 391-239. to 239. Week two, they defeat the Browns at home on Monday Night Football, the game that Nick Chubb was lost for the season for the Browns, 26-22. 
The Steelers were outgained 4-8-255. Week 3 at Vegas against the Raiders. The Steelers lost 23-18. No, they won that game. 23-18, I'm sorry. They were outgained 362-333. Week 4 at Houston. They got their butts kicked. 30-6. They were outgained 451-225. Week 5. They defeat the Ravens at home. I don't know how. 17 to 10. They were outgained 335 to 289. Week 6 at LA against the Rams. They won 24 to 17. They were outgained 354 to 300. Week 7. Lost at home to the Jacksonville Jaguars. 20 to 10. They're outgained 377 to 261. Week 8. They defeat the Tennessee Titans on Thursday night football 20 to 16. They were outgained 340 to 326. Week 9, they defeat the Green Bay Packers 23 to 19, outgaining that game 399 to 324. And then their previous game, they lost to the Browns in Cleveland last Sunday in the ugly one 13 to 10, outgaining that game 259 to 249. So the Steelers have been outgained in every single game this year. In all 10 games. And for somehow, the Steelers are still 6-4. and four. How? You can say it's luck, but it's their defense. Their defense is really good, and they keep them in games. And that I... It, it makes no sense. The fact that they're six and four, this team should be at least be two and eight right now. But I, I don't get it. Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I don't mind the dude. I just hate that he is the coach for the Steelers. But I don't know how he's doing this with this roster. It, it really makes absolutely no sense. Kenny Pickett, the second year quarterback out of Pitt. Everyone thought that year two for Kenny, he's going to make that jump. Well, this man has passed for 1,722 passing yards, six touchdowns, four picks. Steeler Nation is not too fond of Pickett right now. And you can honestly say coming up on Sunday that he is likely playing for his quarterback job, perhaps. Najee Harris, their running back, has 128 carries, 499 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Jalen Warner, 80 carries for 493 and three touchdowns. He's been really impressive. I don't know why he doesn't get more snaps because he's more of a home run threat because of the speed. In the receiver room, George Pickens, he's mad about something. He's mad that he's not getting any touches or any targets, whatever. Second-year player out of Georgia, 604 receiving yards and three touchdowns. And then Deontay Johnson has 335 receiving yards and one touchdown. That's pretty much it for the receiver room for the Steelers. I mean, they got that tight end, flyer boot, and that's pretty much it. It's led by their defense, and Trenton Johnson-Watt has 11.5 sacks this year, and overall the team has 28 sacks this year. <clears throat> So, so, obviously, a really good Steelers defense, not really a good Steelers offense. And this past week, they fire.
their offensive coordinator in Matt Canada. And Steelers fans are rejoicing. So that pretty much means that the Steelers are probably going to put up 50 points against the Bengals on Sunday. Honestly, it would not surprise me if this will be the Steelers' best offensive output in the whole season. Because the Bengals' defense has not been really good this year, especially in the running game. And that run defense by the Bengals is not good. So this is a perfect opportunity for Najee Harris and Jalen Warner to go off. And I hate saying that. But the Bengals' defense, if this is a game where you need to have a game where you want to get your defense rolling and have some confidence over these next seven games, this is the game to do that. But if you can't do this against this Steelers team that just lost their offensive coordinator and they have a quarterback who is not really good and a running back in Najee Harris who is very upset by just how the Steelers' offense is being run before Canada was fired, it, if you cannot stop that, then... <clears throat> shit. Then we have problems. We already have problems right now, but this defense... Yikes, yikes, yikes. And let's hope that the move to Jordan Battle to being now the full-time starter, maybe that could help. And then Sam Hubbard's trending upwards to starting on Sunday. So that could help with how shitty the run defense has been over the last couple of games. I don't know. We'll see. But I think the key in this game is which offense is going to perform. <laughs> if it's Jake Brown and the Bengals, then the Bengals going to win this game. If it's Kenny Pickett and the Steelers, then holy hell. And then who's going to win the turnover battle? I think that's always key in these Bengals and Steelers games. And also, can the Bengals' offensive line hold up? Can they? Over the last two games, they have not really done a good job. And now you're going against T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith and Cam Hayward, who's been playing the league since 1901. If you can't... I, that's where I'm going to be afraid for Jake Brownie is that he's going to get absolutely demolished out there by a really, really, really lethal Steelers defensive line. So I am praying that the Bengals offensive line shows up on Sunday. So the Bengals have won four of the last five meetings against the Steelers. So obviously Pittsburgh has some, has some motivation going into this game. And then... The AFC North is done, guys, okay? We're not winning the division, unfortunately. Unless the Ravens just collapse and lose the remaining games and the Bengals win the remaining games and the Browns just collapse as well. Bengals not winning the North. They got to focus on the wild card. Now, you got to do some scoreboard watching, <clears throat> okay? So, the Jaguars and the Texans are playing each other on Sunday. If you're a Bengals fan, you have to root for Jacksonville. And then Tampa Bay is playing Indy. You got to root for Tampa Bay. Cleveland's at Denver. You got to root for Cleveland. Buffalo's at Philly. You have to root for the Eagles. And then the Ravens are in Los Angeles against the Chargers. You have to root for... Well, you got to root for the Chargers because if the Chargers win that game, that means they're going to have momentum and they can make a run and push the AFC wildcard game. Not wildcard game. The wildcard spots. That means that if the Ravens beat the Chargers, the Chargers are pretty much knocked out of the wildcard race because that will put their record at 4-7. and seven. So 
So that's pretty much scoreboard watching. If you're a real Bengals fan and if you really believe that the Bengals are still in the playoff hunt, which they are because they're still 5-5 five and five, and there are seven games remaining left of the season. All right, guys, that's pretty much it. I hope you guys have or had a great Thanksgiving week with your family and friends. Like I said, I'm thankful for you guys. As always, there's always going to be an instant reaction podcast after every Bengals game, and that will not change. There will be a podcast after the Bengals and Steelers game on Sunday, and hopefully we'll be doing a reaction podcast of the Bengals' victory over the Steelers. And Tommy will be at the game on Sunday, so I'm excited for him and hoping the Bengals can bring home a W for him as well. I love you guys. Appreciate you guys. It's been one hell of a year, and we're only going to continue to get better. And, yeah, if you guys are celebrating Thanksgiving, don't eat too much. I'm just joking. Eat whatever you want, okay? It's Thanksgiving. So that's pretty much it on my end. I'm trying to think if I have anything else. No, that's pretty much it. Love you guys. And listen, it's two day forever, and I'm not going nowhere. I'm never going to go anywhere. We're still going to be supporting this team no matter what. So rally behind this team, rally behind Jake Browning, and let's get this W on Sunday. And here's what I'm going to leave off with. If you're a Bengals fan, and if you're saying that we should lose all our games, that means that you want us to lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> you got me. Mm, I'm trying to be better at not cussing. No, that ain't going to happen, okay? I want the Bengals to beat the Steelers. If you're a real Bengals fan, you want this team to beat the Steelers. Damn it. I'm out. Love you guys. Peace.